I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, if ever there was a pop rock song that ministered peace, it would be that song, Let It Be, written and released by Paul McCartney in 1968. There's always been a bit of mystery about the song, its meaning. 
Many people have assumed it was about Mary, the mother of Jesus, that it's a prayer of sorts. But McCartney has always been clear that he really didn't write it with any religious intention in mind. It's really about his mother, who was also named Mary, his mother who died when he was about 14 years old. Now, he actually wrote the song some years later during a difficult time in his life. The Beatles, one of, if not the most successful bands in music history, was beginning to break up. And so there was a lot of pressure on them. Their relationships were strained, and the whole world was watching. At this point, the three other band members had found meaningful relationships, but he was still alone, living by himself in the city. And the 60s, of course, were a turbulent time in the UK and the US and throughout Western society. Well, one night during those days, he had a dream. And in that dream, his mother came to visit him. She'd been gone for 12 years at that point, but he remembers it very vividly. And she said the words to him, let it be. That's how he remembers it. I woke up with a great feeling, he says. It was really like she visited me at this very difficult point in my life and gave me this message, be gentle. Don't fight things. Just try and go with the flow, and it will all work out. Well, it ended up being the last single that Paul would release before the band did break up. Short time later, he met his wife-to-be, Linda. And for 50-some years now, nearly 50 years, that song has brought people a sense of calm and peace in times of trouble and, and change. Now, it's not a song we typically hear in church, but it's got a spiritual quality to it, doesn't it? It, it? it resonates deep in our soul with our longing for peace in times of trouble and for wisdom in times of uncertainty. And it holds out the promise that things are going to be okay if we just let them be. That, that everything's going to turn out all right if we just go with the flow. But will they? Is that really what we're supposed to do when the unexpected happens? Just let it be? Is that really the answer in times of trouble? Let it be. Like any great work of art, it points us in a right direction. And it speaks to something deep within our hearts. But like many great works of art, it falls just short of the mark because it promises something it can't deliver. Because things don't always work out, do they? Letting things be isn't always the answer. Going with the flow won't always turn out all right. Some things, some things need to be challenged. Some things need to be attended to. Some things need to be seized. So today, on the second Sunday of Advent, I'd like to offer you a stronger, better, more beautiful version of Let It Be, a version that was spoken and even sung by that other Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So far in our series, we have considered peace in the tumult and peace in the heartache. Today, we'll be considering peace in the unexpected. McCartney never expected to lose his mother when he was 14 years old. He never expected the Beatles to break up at the very height of their fame. 
And no doubt, unexpected things have happened to you as well and will continue to happen. So what do we do when the unexpected happens? What song will you sing in those moments? Is let it be enough to get, it, get us through? Or is there a better song? Is there a stronger story? Is there a deeper peace that can be found? So let's go back to that other Mary's story. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. And we'll just walk through the early part of her story together and see what we can learn about finding peace in the unexpected. And hey, just a shout out to those of you on this snowy morning who may be watching from home. We're glad you are with us. Hope you sense God's presence and hear him speaking with you. And if you're in your pajamas, it's okay because we can't see you. So enjoy the moment, all right? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, these opening lines are full of unexpected things. First of all, no one expected Mary's elderly relative, Elizabeth, to be having a child. But she was, and at this point, she's already in her sixth month. Secondly, no one expected to be visited by an angel. Sometimes we read these Bible stories and we say, oh, the people in those days, they were used to this sort of thing. No, they weren't. These sorts of things were as rare and mysterious as in those days as they would be in our day today. And what makes it all the more surprising is that Mary is visited. Mary is a young peasant woman living in an obscure village. She's not Zechariah, a priest. She's not in Jerusalem, the holy city. This is an unexpected event. Now, many, many artists down through the centuries have tried to capture this moment. We call it the Annunciation. One of the most famous is this one here by Botticelli. It's a striking image, but it seems to put Mary in charge of the moment rather than the angel. This more contemporary one is by an artist named Henry Tanner about 100 years ago. This one seems to be a bit more realistic, perhaps, with Mary awed and humbled by what's happening. But even this one seems to miss something that's right there in the text. Listen again, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of meeting this might be, greeting this might be. So this was not only an unexpected moment, this was a troubling moment. Being visited by an angel was something like hearing your name over the loudspeaker in class calling you to the principal's office. <laughs> something like showing up for work and being told the boss wants to see you in the office. Getting a call from the doctor at home after what you thought was a routine checkup. It's not just unexpected, it's unsettling. But that's just the beginning. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, to put it plainly, Mary never expected to be expecting. Someday, maybe, but, but certainly not now. I mean, she's not even married yet. This isn't just impossible. This is scandalous. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, she wasn't just asking about the mechanics of it, though certainly there was that. She's asking about the meaning of it. What will this mean for, for me, for my future, my marriage, for my nation? I mean, let's face it. No first-time parent knows what they're getting into, right? If they did, they might change their minds. But this, who knew where this kind of a thing could lead? What Mary did know was that it would bring shame on her family and on Joseph's. It would likely mean the end of her marriage plans. It would mean that she and her child would forever live under a cloud of suspicion at best or rejection at worst. Not to mention the political implications. Son of the Most High? That's what they called Caesar. The throne of his father David? Will this child be the Messiah now after centuries of silence? A kingdom that will never end? Now Mary may just have been a peasant woman, but, but she understood what a threat a child like this would be to the powers that be. All this to say, this was not the story Mary had been writing for herself. This was not the future she imagined. In the words of one commentator, this was an explosive announcement, politically and personally. Safe to say, it was the last thing in the world Mary expected. But we all know life brings the unexpected sometimes. You probably haven't been visited by an angel, but you may know what it's like to get that phone call from the doctor at home or to be summoned to the boss's office. Maybe you expected to, to be married by now or to have started a family by now. Maybe you expected to have a better job by now or expected to be retired by now. Maybe you never expected to be so far from home. Maybe you never expected to be alone at this stage of your life. Now, it's not all bad, the unexpected. It can be good as well. Maybe you, you never expected to be so successful. Maybe you never expected to be so financially secure. Maybe you never expected to be in a position of leadership or influence. I mean, no one really expects to win the lottery, but somebody does. And it always turns their life upside down. So what do you do 
when life takes you by surprise? What do you do when your story takes an unexpected turn and leads you into unfamiliar and maybe uncomfortable territory? What song will you sing? Is let it be enough to bring you peace in moments like that? Let's see what Mary did with her unexpected moment. The first thing she does, as we've already seen, is to keep the conversation going. How can this be, she asks. Which, by the way, is different from Zechariah's, how can this be, or how can I be sure? The angel promised him that he and his elderly wife would have a child, and he responds, how can I be sure? Zechariah is expressing doubt and even cynicism. Prove it to me. Mary's how can this be is more about curiosity and wonder. She doesn't reject the notion as if it's too hard for God or even for her. How can this be, she says. Tell me more. I'm listening. Which, by the way, is a wonderful way to respond when the unexpected happens. Tell me more, God. Bring it to him. Tell me what's happening. What are you doing? Where is this leading? In response, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age for nothing is impossible with God. The angel tells her, that God is going to do a remarkable thing in her and through her. Now, interestingly, that expression, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that expression comes upon you, it's the same expression we're going to read later in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls, comes upon the disciples in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, and the Christian movement, the church, is launched that day. Something miraculous is going to happen to you. He says, as if giving birth to a child isn't miraculous enough, but this, this is something out of the ordinary. This is something unexpected and powerful and very, very real, as real as the child already growing in Elizabeth's womb. Now, now Mary wouldn't have known anything about the Spirit falling on the day of Pentecost, of course, but when Mary heard that the Spirit was going to come upon her, she would have thought of people like Moses and Deborah, and David. She would have thought of the great prophets and judges and kings in her people's history, great men and women of God who were anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to play some critical role in his unfolding plan for his nation. That spirit was going to come on her and empower her, a young peasant woman, to do some great thing in the world. This is a remarkable proposal. And I use that word proposal very intentionally because she could have said no, right? I mean, Moses said no to the burning bush. At least initially, God had to twist his arm a bit. Jonah said no when he was called to go preach to Nineveh. Peter said no when he had a chance to speak for his Lord. Mary could have said no. It was a proposal. It was a life-changing, unexpected, rewrite-the-script-of-your-life proposition. 
So what would Mary say? How would she respond to this moment? The great writer Frederick Buechner tries to imagine what this moment might have been like. He tries to imagine what might have been going through the the, the angel Gabriel's mind as he makes this announcement to Mary and awaits her response. Buechner writes, this, writes it this way. He only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings, he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on the answer of a young girl. What a moment. So what will she do? What does she say? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Did you hear it? Let it be to me according to your word. Is this the same let it be that was spoken by McCartney's mother in the dream? Don't worry about it. Just go with the flow. Is this a gentle, passive, let it be? Not exactly. In fact, not hardly at all. Mary's let it be is preceded by, I am the Lord's servant. And it's followed by, according to your word. You see, Mary's let it be is bookended by the presence and the power of Almighty God. Mary's response to the unexpected is that if if you are in this with me, Lord, if you are doing something that's good and true and purposeful, then I embrace it. I say yes, yes to whatever it is you want to do in me and through me. So this is not whatever happens, happens. This is whatever happens, I trust you, God. This is not go with the flow. This is go with God. You see, McCartney's let it be is a declaration of fate. Whatever will be, will be. Mary's let it be is a declaration of faith. Nothing is impossible with God. Faith is the belief that God is up to something. And when God is up to something, it is always good. It is always beautiful. It is always true. Now, the things that happen to us in life aren't always good or beautiful or true. In fact, sometimes the things that happen to us in life are bad and ugly and wrong. But God is able to take those bad, ugly, wrong things and work them and redeem them and transform them into something that is good and beautiful and true. And that's why Mary is able to say to this annunciation, let it be to me according to your word. Because the the whole thing began with the angel saying, the Lord is with you. If you're with me, Lord, I say yes. This is not just let it be. It's let it be according to your word, according to your will, according to your purpose. And this let it be 
is neither gentle or passive. It is strong and courageous and bold. Some of us are familiar with the King James Version translation of this verse. It goes like this, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. That word handmaid brings to mind, for many of us perhaps, a popular novel and now television series entitled The Handmaid's Tale. The story is set in a dystopian future when only a few women are still able to bear children. And so these women, these handmaids, are assigned to wealthy, powerful families for the sole purpose of bringing offspring into the world. And in the process, they are subjugated and often exploited for that sole purpose. Now, I don't want to say too much more about a show I haven't seen and am not recommending. I'm going to be in trouble if you go home and say, Pastor Brian says we should watch The Handmaid's Tale. I'm not suggesting that. I'm simply making the point by way of contrast that the word handmaid, as it appears here in the scripture, the word translated handmaid, does not at all imply subjugation or repression. In fact, it's a very empowering and liberating word. It's actually just the feminine form of the word servant. It's the word that's used to describe all the great men and women of God in the scriptures who are called by God and used by God and make themselves available to God to do something great, to play a part in his unfolding story. It's the word that's used to describe anyone who says yes to God's call on their lives. And friends, that's all of us. That's each of us. The amazing thing about the story isn't just that God would call a young peasant woman to bring his son into the world. It's that God would call people like you and me to bring something into the world, something that only you and I can bring into this world, some purpose for which he created and called us, some purpose he is always working to accomplish in and through us. And that something is always good, even when it involves the unexpected. I'm not saying that God always causes the unexpected, but I am saying that God always knows the unexpected and that God is able to work with the unexpected in order to do something good in, through, and around us for his glory. And that can happen if we allow him to do that work, if we say, let it be to me, Lord, according to your word. Now, did Mary know everything she was saying yes to in that moment? Did she know she was saying yes to many years of mundane motherhood, raising a child, keeping a home, for year after year after year with nothing out of the ordinary happening at all? Did she know she was saying yes to seeing her son grow more and more distant as he went out into the world to make disciples and enemies? Did she know she was saying yes to watching her son die a shameful and miserable death? 
Probably not. But what she did know, I imagine, what she did know is that whatever it was, it wasn't going to be easy or safe or predictable. Uh, the great sculptor Michelangelo often chose Mary as a theme for his works. And in fact, one of his very earliest sculptures, he chose a theme of Madonna and child. Now, interestingly, Michelangelo also lost his mother at a young age, and it left a gaping, yearning wound in his soul. And so he often, Mary was a favorite subject of his. And so early in his career, he chose to portray a Madonna and child, which was a very popular theme at the time. But his portrayal of the Madonna and child was unlike any other. According to historians, Michelangelo wanted to capture the essence of Mary, her, her strength, her faith, her resolve. In fact, he wanted to capture her at the very moment of decision when she said yes to God's call on her life. So here's his work. It's called Madonna of the Stairs. You'll notice, first of all, that he breaks with convention by having the infant Jesus with his back toward the viewer. That was considered highly irreverent or worse by most people at the time. But he wanted the sculpture, he wanted the story to be about Mary. And he affirms her motherhood by showing her nursing her young son. But notice that he positions her at the bottom of a set of stairs suggesting that there is more to come in the future. And notice he's positioned her so that the wooden banister or railing of the stairs comes right down to her feet. And notice that the older child above, his horizontal arm breaking the plane of the wooden railing forms an image of a cross. And if you'll look carefully, you'll see that her right hand is attending to the nursing child and her left hand is attending to the cross. Now, did she know? Did she know all of this when she said yes to that announcement? Probably not. But she knew it wasn't going to be the life she expected. And she trusted God with it anyway. She offered that moment, that child, her life up to God. Let it be to me according to your word. And in those words, and in that moment, she found peace. Peace in the unexpected. Peace not just in that moment, I would dare say, but peace in all the unexpected moments to come. Like the unexpected moment in which she found herself giving birth to this promised child by herself in a stable far from home. That unexpected moment in Jerusalem when she lost, literally and metaphorically, her adolescent son, as he began to speak about another father and a greater call on his life. Or that moment she watched him walk out the door 
at the age of 30-something on a mission she couldn't fully understand at the time. And that moment sitting at the foot of the cross watching him die. I wonder how many times in her life she looked back on this moment, this annunciation, and remembered and perhaps repeated the words, let it be to me according to your word. Interestingly, in one of Michelangelo's greatest works, he portrays Mary at that later moment in her life. In another moment of decision, as she cradles the lifeless body of her son in her arms. Look again at her left hand, turned upward, offering her son to God, trusting her son to God's purposes, whatever they might be. Let it be to me and let it be to him according to your word, she seems to be saying. And we know that before too many days had passed, she would be cradling that son in her arms again, this time more fully alive, more fully glorified than she or anyone had ever, ever seen. So you might be asking, how do you know, Pastor, that she found peace in that moment, in that annunciation moment? Well, as it turns out, she actually sang a song in that moment. It's right there in Luke chapter 1. We call it the Magnificat, and it begins like this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. When Mary said yes to that angel, she wasn't just saying yes to an unexpected birth. She was saying yes to an unexpected life. She was saying yes to a story that would take her and her son to places that she and the world had never even imagined. And friends, we have that same opportunity. Every time some unexpected thing comes into our life, we have the opportunity to turn and, and offer it up to God and ask him to do something good and true and beautiful with it. Every unexpected thing, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. God didn't create us to be sick or sad. But sometimes we are, and he promises to be with us in that sickness and in that sadness. In fact, the scripture tells us that he's familiar with suffering and acquainted with grief. He can work with that. God doesn't want us to sin, but we will sometimes, and we'll be sinned against. But God can be with us there too, to forgive us, and to heal our hearts, and to set us on a right path again. So when the unexpected happens, we, we can trust God with it, believing that his power and his purpose are telling a greater story than we ever possibly could with our lives. And so like Mary, 
We find peace in the unexpected when we say yes to God's greater story for our lives in the world. See, God's always up to something. And that something is always good and it's always beautiful and it's always true. The poet Lucy Shaw, contemporary poet, has captured some of the power and the poignancy of this Annunciation moment. In her poem entitled, Too Much to Ask, she writes, It seemed too much to ask of one small virgin that she should stake shame against the will of God. And it seems too much to ask you or me to be part of the different thing, God's shocking, unorthodox, unheard of thing to further heaven's hopes and summon God's glory. What shocking, unorthodox, unheard of thing might have come your way recently? Can you trust God with it? Will you say yes to God with it? See, God has a call on all of our lives just as he had a call on Mary's life. He created you for a purpose, to bring something into this world that only you can bring. And it may be something as mundane as motherhood. It may be something as dramatic as challenging the powers that be. But, but he asks you to, just to say yes to it, to offer it up to him. And it's really not too much to ask because he promises to be with us in all of it just as he was with Mary, and to work all of it together to accomplish his great purpose. And so we find peace in the unexpected when we say yes to God's greater story. So I'm not beating up on Paul McCartney's song. It's a good song. It's a great song. And, and it can bring a measure of peace. I just happen to believe there's a better strong better song, that there's a deeper peace, and it's found when we say, let it be to me, Lord, according to your word. Let's pray. We're grateful, Lord, that there are no surprises with you. That even when something unexpected happens to us, you knew it from before the foundation of the world. And you're prepared to meet us there in that moment. Thank you that you know every story in this room, every life, every turn of events. You know where each one of us is on our journeys of life and faith. And you've brought us here today. And we thank you for the example of Mary. We thank you for choosing her we thank you for her remarkable faith and courage and obedience in this moment and all the moments of her life. Thank you for the courage and the inspiration we find from her. But thank you more importantly for the power and comfort and wisdom we find in your Holy Spirit as we offer you all the events and circumstances of our lives. And pray that you might do something good in us for your glory and for our joy and for the good of the world. And so we trust you with all of them. In Jesus' name, amen.